Welcome to Better Than Nothing with Gavin and Seamus. A podcast where one guy named Gavin and another guy named Seamus talk about all the stuff that happens in between nothing and everything. Get ready for laughing, for crying, and general bewilderment with Better Than Nothing. Let's do this. Oh, we are back. Hey, everybody. I know it's been a couple weeks. Sorry for the delay, but we had a lot of things going on. All good stuff, and we will be sharing that probably soon. But both Gavin and I have had a lot of things going on. A lot of different life events have been taking over our schedules. So... It is what it is, but we are here now. That's what's important. And we actually got together to talk about Switzerland again because Gavin had a great time with it. Uh, he's from Switzerland, if you haven't guessed. And last time I came up with a few things that actually kind of stumped him. So trying to do that again. We'll see what happens in this episode. And in fact, the episode that we recorded is actually... So long that we're actually going to cut it into two. So Switzerland's actually going to take three, at least three. <laughs> we might come back to this again because there's so much to, to talk about in this country. But for the next two episodes, we're going to talk about Switzerland. I'm going to come up with some stories. We're going to go down some rabbit trails, but it's all going to be entertaining for you. And hopefully we stump him again. You'll find out. I kind of know, but I'm not positive. Because sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no. Either way. You're going to enjoy it. So we're going to get right into it. And right off the bat, you're going to hear Gavin. So take it away. So, yeah. So last time we talked about some of the Swiss myths and facts. And uh, it was pretty interesting. And just that you guys know, I have no clue about those questions and, and whatever was coming from Seamus. So hit me again. I have no clue what's on your list today. So by your way. All right. Let's get into this then. The Swiss marry later in life. The average age for a man who gets married is 31.8 years old, and a woman is 29.5 years old. Did you know that? I did not know that, but I can actually confirm that I fall into that category. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually I actually beat the system, man. I was almost 31 years old when I got married, so not 31.8. So actually, um, I did a little better than the average Swiss. What about that? Congratulations. Yeah, man. So, but yeah, I, I didn't know that. The thing is, what makes me think is, so I, I had the privilege to officiate the wedding of my niece. My niece is exactly 20 years younger than me, almost to the day. So she had like her birthday is October 4th. Mine is October 2nd. So when I was in the Swiss military, she was born and I had the privilege to officiate her wedding when she was obviously a little older, wow. but she was one of those people that they will consider um, a neo Bünzli. And uh, I explained the terms. So a Bünzli in Swiss German is not necessarily a good term. It's like a, somebody that's very by the book, uh, somebody that's like um, not nerdy to a sense, but like uh, law abiding. And I'm not saying that this is all wrong, but it's yeah. just very like, this is what you do. You know, you, you go to school, you go to college, you get a house, you get married, whatever the order it was. So like, really, like, this is your life, you know? Right. And so 
So we have a terminology for that in, in, in Switzerland and it means some other stuff too. But so people actually kind of derived from that and kind of broke free from that. It's like, I don't want to be a Bunstein. I don't want to be labeled as such. I'm just going to live my life, do whatever the hell I want kind of thing. Interestingly, after some time or a generation, whatever, sometimes the conservative view or like it, it, it just swings back to the other side. You know what I mean? Like a pendulum. Uh, so it's like whatever we turn away from at times will come back to us and actually some other people will embrace it again later on. Why I'm saying all of this is because my niece was pretty young when she got married. So she also beat the system. <laughs> she was like 22 or 23. Wow. And, but they knew, you know, they loved each other. They knew what they want to do and uh, wanted to, you know, go by the book. Like they, you know, do the education, get married, get a house, get a kid, all this stuff. So she had a, she had a kid also pretty young. And so it's, um, I don't know. So this is all what's happening. And I think she's not the only one. So there's there's a lot like children, actually, when when we have kids or start to have kids, we realized like when we went to certain hospitals, you know, they, they do like a, it's like a showroom type of yeah. thing of like you want to birth here and this is what we <laughs> offer you. It's pretty cool. And the one that we chose eventually to go with, I mean, there, it was packed, man. It was packed. So many pregnant women. And it gave us a lot of hope to see like, hey, there's actually children are born here. And a lot of them because, you know, there's a, a certain percentage thing that I don't know what you call it in every country that you need to have a certain amount of kids born every year in order not to die out as, okay. a, as a nation. Right. And so um, Switzerland is above average. I that's mean, last great. time I checked, so that's pretty cool. That is very cool. I mean, because I yeah. think on the opposite side of the spectrum, for the longest time, Germany was like, you could almost pinpoint to when the last German German born person was going to die, like, because they just weren't producing, that's you it. know? Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's true anymore, but that was that was like over a decade ago. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, like uh, think about Italy, uh, one of your favorite countries, right? Or yes. like what we would talk. Well, we both love Italy and we love Italian food and all all there is about it, Italy. But Italians are known as being very um, child friendly. And like, you know, the bambinos yeah. are like, this is it. Where it's, life is happening. I mean, you can go in any restaurant in Italy and you don't get any flag or getting bothered if you bring kids I mean, they're welcome you know right. it's, it's really like in, in other nations it's not that way you know they're like oh man when you bring kids here come on right and so but funny enough italy is way be below the average i mean the italians are not producing enough kids these days which wow. is weird and, and not good no and and as of late a bigger problem with that is that a lot of the kids that are born especially in like the country area where you have farms and stuff like that and people that are producing cheeses and, and olives and stuff like that, they won't, they don't want anything to do with that old lifestyle, with the old mm. traditions, with the olive oil and all that stuff. They like, they want computer jobs. They want to go to Switzerland, you know, with a lot of Italian, young Italians move up to Switzerland to get software engineering jobs and stuff like that. And cause I, I do know a couple. And so you have kind of like a gap there, like in the next couple decades you're going to see some some businesses being taken over by other countries that aren't family owned you know or other families that in italy that aren't part of the original families you know it's so it's like not to say it's a bad thing but you lose a lot of traditions you know and you yeah. lose a lot of like just the you know because I, I talked to somebody yeah i mean so we i know somebody uh who has an olive orchard and when i went out there to visit them I said, so how many generations has this farm been in your family? He said, I can't even count that high. You know, it's just, this is this is just what this entire family has done. 
unfortunately, he's not one of them. Like he doesn't want to do that. He actually moved to Switzerland and became a software engineer, like I said. Uh, but he, he does have a brother that is going to take over the family business. But without that brother, the family would be without that lineage. So yeah, it's it's kind of disheartening that people aren't able to have kids in order to have that generation continue the family line. Yeah, no, I mean, some some traditions are great. And, and I think when when you're younger, I mean, that's, you know, I just had a, a big, what do you call that? A big birthday. Uh, what's the, like, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big one that I just celebrate. A milestone. A milestone. Good. Thank you. And uh, it makes you think about different things. And obviously, when you're younger, there's certain things that are important to you and some things not that important. And then as you grow older, and especially if you have a family on your own, you rethink a lot of things that you were like, didn't care about before, you know? And so traditions and certain principles and certain values become more important because it's what are you going to pass on to your kids? Because they were passed on to us. And obviously there's some rebellion and some things, uh, you know, that's very natural. But now looking back, I look at it through a different lens, even what my parents did, what I thought at at one point, like, why are you doing this? You know, like, why, why can't we do this or whatever, you know? And now as a, as a parent uh, myself, I start to understand more of this and appreciate it more. And hopefully my kids, because they go through this right now, some of them uh, will appreciate it later on. So it's just different seasons. Uh, But, but I think traditions are important. And speaking about traditions, uh, Switzerland has a lot of traditions, Yeah, you know, like what you said about the Italians being connected to the land or hand passing it on to the generations. You know, we talked about last uh, time in our show about uh, Swiss army knives. Yes. So that company, uh, Victorinox has been for generations in the same family. And that's, that's a very special and beautiful thing. Sometimes, obviously, like you said, that doesn't happen for different reasons. Maybe somebody's not cut out for this, but somebody's not interested, somebody's not qualified. I mean, there's yeah. different reasons. You know, it's, it's actually a great story, an authentic story where you can say, hey, this, this business has been, you know, like my great, great, great grandfather, whatever, or even just say grandfather started this and we are still doing this. And obviously you tweak it and, and the market changes and you need to reinvent yourself at times. But if you can keep that alive, that is an honorable thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, especially since it's been a part of the entire family for so many generations. I mean, it, that is what you do. Like that's what your family is known for. So it's, it's hard to one, have that go away. And, and two, to, um, it's almost like you're kind of not disrespecting the family line, but it's almost like, you know, it's like, well, your family built this entire thing. And, and, you know, I mean, you get into the whole thing, like, well, I shouldn't be expected to do this and stuff like that. But I think we're, we're losing that connection to our past. You know, we're losing that, that little bit of us, that part of our lineage in, in all countries where, you know, cause we have it here in the U S where, you know, you have farming generations with the kids don't want to do the farming, you know, they don't want to do the manual labor. They don't want to spend all the live long day picking and crops and stuff and, and cultivating land. It's, it's, it's a tiresome job it's, and especially oh, when yeah. you can do something online or something. So it's right. every, every country's I'm assuming dealing with something like that. Yeah. I, I just, uh, was reminded that, you know, my, my dad had a construction business. It was a, as a contractor. And he took the business on from his dad. So my grandfather started it. But, you know, that was like my also my grandfather was a farmer at the same time. And as a side business, he had a construction company with a few workers and they built normally at that time, maybe one or two houses a year. Right. You know, that was kind of the thing that you did. It's not like the whole, not mass production, but you know what I mean? Like as a way where you need to like, in order to um, 
pay your 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 workers or employees you need to have work you know right. so it's like a constant well struggle and you know kind of like as, as a businessman looking where is the work so that i will not run out of work and pay my my people this is a side story just came to mind because i think yesterday i talked to somebody about this because my my dad at one point told me well basically also why i said this first is my dad asked me at one point do you want to get into the family business you know is this something you would want to do because he had it with his brothers and I mean, that's sometimes it's a, it's a tender and tensionous situation. It yes. can be, you know yeah. I mean? Like family is not always just perfect, you know? And so he did the, the business side of it, even though he, he was trained in everything, you know, as, as also like a, a Mason and, and like builder, but he chose to actually take on the whole business side and heading up the, I guess the CEO of the company. And so since I had a background similar like that, he, w- he wanted to know, Hey, would you be interested to get into the family business? Because if so, we need to have a conversation and obviously also with my brothers because uh, it's open for you if you want to. But it was very clear to me at that point, that's that's not my path. That's not my direction. So I'm saying all of this though. So my dad at one point, you know, where there was hardly any work for his company, he took on, he found work and starting to renovate old castles and, and ruins. And uh, it's, it's a fascinating endeavor because he had no prior... <laughs> knowledge or like i mean that, that's quite something i mean you you messed you can't mess this up you know i mean right obviously there's you know what i mean like because the, the way they build i mean those those buildings and structures were around hundreds of years and centuries you know what i mean right. and so they had to they came up with a what do you call the mortar that you know to to, to actually build you know, rebuild certain things or like some, some of the stones or rocks or whatever are still around they would just crumble down and him and a, a, a friend that was a painter they came up with this, with this mortar that they uh, developed. You know, the innovation oh. of Switzerland, and it's still used today as the the mortar that needs to be used for any renovations with historical buildings, castles, and stuff like that. So that's that's, that's the claim crazy. of fame of my dad. I I don't think they patented it. Oh, <laughs> but, that's <too> bad. <laughs> I know, man, or or to a certain degree, I don't know, because it was more. I think it was more important for them that they were able to just get that job yeah. and come up with a solution and pay, you know, like have work for their for their workforce. Yeah. And so they they not only then were able to get through that season, but actually specialized later on in doing that kind of work. And that's, summing that's this awesome. up. And I know it's a lot about something we didn't plan, but you said, hey, let's just fill it. Yeah. Um, when my dad passed away last year, we decided to do his memorial service at the Habsburg, which is like the main castle of the Habsburg dynasty that's in the state that I'm from. It's located there. And, and my dad's company renovated and restored that uh, whatever was left of the castle. And wow. so we we did the ceremony out there because it was it was perfect because my dad was all over the place because right. that's what he did. And what better place to choose than something like that? I, I thought that was perfect uh, for him and for us. You know, that's so. amazing. And to, to yeah. piggyback on that, so yeah. when they redo or repair buildings right. and, and castles and stuff like that in Italy, they usually can find the original plans and then they they meticulously make sure that it's exactly the way it was when it was originally built. How is it in Switzerland? Is it do they follow strict guidelines like that? Um, obviously, as as in America with historical buildings, there's so many codes, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. you need to know what you're doing, obviously, and and if you're in that field, you do know uh, because it's it needs to be, you know, correct or like you know, for, for different reasons to especially to keep it that way. So I think um, you know with some of the buildings or like especially thinking about castles being 
hundreds of years, I mean, even thousand years old, you know, like, yeah. uh, so to find <laughs> plans, yeah. I can imagine is, uh, I, I mean, to some degree, maybe they're, they're around, but to some degree, maybe you can't find them because they're just so old. Right. So, uh, but obviously they work with, with architects and, and there's a lot of like most different people involved in the process, sure. professionals from different fields in order Historians to. Historians and artists. And yeah. Stuff because, like because most of those castles are owned by the state. Right. nowadays because right. you you to run a castle these days i mean there's still some that privately owned maybe smaller ones and it's a beautiful thing if you can i mean you know it's literally it's possible especially in france uh i mean you can go onto the internet and you know i want a castle you find castles for sale i mean like right. and it's actually they're not i mean they're expensive in a sense but for what you get it's it's actually not really expensive the problem is you need to renovate them how and do you the maintain a castle Oh, yeah, it's 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 just it's just a bottomless pit, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so there's no original heating and cooling yeah, systems. Yeah. So yeah. So we we're actually we met some people and were invited to have a castle in France. They're American and they lived out there for many many years. Raised all their sons uh, in in France on, in that castle and they renovated the whole castle. It's beautiful, wow. man. But then the older they got, they're like, we need to get rid of that castle. And they, I think they moved back to America or whatever. But uh, it was it was after we were there, we saw it like on the plane in the magazine, you know, the flight magazine, yeah. that castle was in that magazine for say, well, like three and a half million euros or something like wow. that. You know? That's yeah, crazy. It was like I know this place. Yeah. <laughs> I know these people. <laughs> you know, contact me. Maybe they give you a discount. I yeah, yeah. I think we could probably continue on this because there's a lot more I could even say about you know what I've I've seen. But um, we'll move on. Let's move on to the Alps. Ooh. Everyone knows the Swiss Alps, right? But. Less than 15% of the Alps are actually Swiss. Yeah, true. That is true. I mean, it must be true because you <laughs> check the facts. Check so it actually well, spans across. There are eight countries that actually touch the Alps. Right. Um, I mean, I didn't know how many. I know they're more than Switzerland, uh, but it's the Swiss Alps. Are, they're very known, obviously, yeah. because it's uh, the beauty. I mean, you see it in, in pictures. You see it in movies. And uh, yeah. as we talked last time, yeah, it's all true. It's beautiful. And just, just as a note, so when, when you see the sound of music, that's not Switzerland. Right, okay? just, right. Just that's same. what you're saying. Most so, people refer to like, oh, yeah, sound of music, Switzerland. No, no, they go into Switzerland, but where the story takes place is Austria. And okay. it's, it's a beautiful country. They have yeah. Alps. And so that's why, like, some of these countries, uh, as a side note, talking about skiing real quick, and we yeah. can open a whole an old can of worms right yeah, there's, here. There's other facts of skiing, yeah, yeah. Right. But I think if we talk about the Alps, it's really uh, fair to speak about skiing, snowboarding, all that. So right. before I forget, did you know the first Olympic champion in snowboarding was from Switzerland? Just I saying. I know that. Yeah. So anyway, because, you know, like when they became a part of the Olympic Games as like right. as, a, as one of the, you know, sports, whatever. But anyway, so Italy is Alps, Austria's Alps. Austria's number one. They have the most. The most. Yeah. And so saying all of this, because these are all big skiing nations. I mean, also like in, in the circuit skiing all around the world, the professionals, you know, downhill and slalom and all these different segments of skiing. The Swiss for, for a while and the Austrians, especially those two, for, when I grew up, those were the, the biggest ski nations fighting for medals all the time. It was pretty much the Swiss or the Austrians. And I remember coming home from school because when, when I went to school, I came home 
from the from school to have uh, lunch at home and then go back to school. So we didn't have school lunches and anything like that. And I walked to school, no buses, okay? And so the ski races were on on TV just around noon or whatever. And my dad was a, a very um, avid skier. He skied till he was 86. And I was still going up there and doing his thing. And I had a place up in the mountains that like most of the winter he was up there, you know, like going back and forth, but he basically lived up there when he was retired. And so he watched all these races we grew up with them. And I remember like every time a Swiss came on the scene, we were like, yeah, you know, like, and, and see if, uh, and then when an Austrian came on, we're like, ooh, ooh, hopefully <laughs> it falls down. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's like, it's not that you want them to fall down and break something. Just, just don't win. Right. I right. mean, that's as a kid right. but so and italy is a big ski nation uh, germany to a certain degree and now i think it changed a lot norway is pretty big and america has a lot of good skiers it changed quite a bit last time we said that one of the national sports is hiking but we consider that as a sport right. so to yeah speak. but then another one actually i think one of the biggest sports in switzerland switzerland would be skiing i would say because okay. uh, the average swiss most maybe it changed again when i grew up a lot of swiss grew up skiing that's yeah. what you did like yeah uh, yeah we had ski vacation two weeks in february were considered and they were actually labeled ski vacation that's for crazy skiing. i mean not that you had to go skiing you just some people couldn't afford it but you had two weeks off in order like in, in that time to pursue that yeah well so since we're on skiing I, yeah, I'll, on. I'll jump around to a couple of myths about okay that not are central to skiing, but there are events and there's little things that, that go along with skiing. Do you know about the Witch of Bellap? The Witch of who? Bellap? Belap? Bellap? <laughs> Never heard of it. So, who's, the witch? who's the Witch of Bellap? So the story goes, the tale, I should say, because there are a lot of kind of like a Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. You have your own. Like Switzerland has like, their own fairy tales. So this is yeah. one of those fairy Legend, tales. Legends, yeah. Yeah. And some of them are rooted in, you know, some kind of story that might be facts. And then others are just exaggerated completely. But this woman was burnt at stake for cheating on her husband with a sorcerer. What they would do is they would turn into ravens and they would meet at Alesh Glacier. Alesh Glacier? Yeah. So to commemorate that, I guess, for the last 35, 40 years, there's an event where adults and children dress up as witches and ski down the mountain. <laughs> they race and they, they just have a grand old day. I mean, look, look, here's, here's what I have to say to this. I mean, and I'm not saying this, oh man, hopefully I'm saying it right. So uh, I'm not for burning witches. Okay. Right. <laughs> not my thing. But uh, I'm just saying that they used to burn witches and now they celebrate. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I, a I complete know. change of, I don't know which one either way, but, yeah, I'm not not saying it's I'm a new saying, event. It's not like this has been going on since it, the tale yeah, came out. Like a, I mean, maybe it's a different time, you know. That nowadays you you remember that like, oh yeah, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's commemorate this, let's celebrate this rather than burn them, you know. So maybe it's it's a better way to do. It. Well, okay. So have you ever heard of the barbagazzi? Barbagazzi. Yeah, you ever heard that term? Uh, is is that a, a myth as well? It's like, a myth uh, as well because well, obviously it's a myth because it's a dwarf like right. creature. That skis around the mountains on its big flat feet, so it's able to ski around. And it just goes from mountain to mountain, skiing around. And it's not uh, a malicious creature. Yeah. It supposedly is there to like help people that are lost in the woods. 
I like that. I like that story. Uh, maybe that's where we got the got inspired from to do you know get skis in the first place. You need to do the same. Let's 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 get some. It's kind some... of an Italian word there, barbagazzi. <laughs> barbagazzi. Well, hey, I mean, we have an Italian part, so it's sure. okay. And especially maybe you know a lot of these folklore of fairy tales. Yeah. It probably come from mountain areas and one of the valleys and, and mountain areas in, in the in the biggest state, Graubünden, is is where a lot of ski resorts are and it's a beautiful area. Like we have a a, a national park there where you can go hike and see beautiful um, landscape and nature and animals. And so, um, yeah, I think you know that region. I mean, part of that region speaks uh, this old Latin, Roman Latin language, Romansh. Right. And so maybe that word comes from from there. So yeah. I, I assume, but I don't know. Yeah, you were saying that, uh, I think last time you mentioned that language and you said it's quite beautiful. It is. It sounds amazing. When I was uh, doing my education, I was working with somebody from that region. So she moved from there into the town where I was living and we worked together. And uh, once in a while, she would <laughs> be on the phone with her mom or something and they would talk. Or I would ask her, hey, what does that mean in uh, Romanish? You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. You should, you know, whoever listens, check out the Romanish, Romanish, and uh, see, see what the computer spits out when you search it on the web and how it sounds. It's quite beautiful. Yeah. Uh, equally beautiful, I would think, is uh, Gaelic or Welsh. Uh, the, these these languages are really beautiful. I feel like almost like it makes me think of Lord of the Rings and Elfish. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's beautiful sounds. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, we're going to go back to... Whatever, what, whatever like what, uh, what else is there? Uh, mountain creatures or ghosts or goblins or uh, see if we have... anything like that? Fairy tales? I do have... pretty cool. Do have some uh, a couple different mountain ones. One would be Saint Beatus. Beatrice. Yeah, uh, Beatrice? he's basically the dragon fighter or dragon excommunicator. Do you know that? Oh, I love so that. this was a a priest who was looking for solitude, wanted to just find peace with God and and, and nature, and and ended up going to the mountains. He came upon a cave, and inside that cave was a fire-breathing dragon. And instead of cowering in fear or running away, he told the dragon to leave, and it did, and never came back. And then he built his home there, <laughs> and that's hey, where he. That's the way to do it. The rest of his days were spent this in is that my place. Now <laughs> you leave. <laughs> that's in um, Beatenberg Mountain. I don't know if you know that mountain. Okay, Beatenberg. Okay, uh, yeah, I can see that. I, I don't know if that. Sorry, my geography is is not on top. Of things, but um, there's the Pilatus, which is a very famous mountain in Switzerland. Pilatus, Lo most Japanese have been up there. I, have, I think, I'm to this day, I've never <laughs> made it up there. However, um, as a, there's actually as a one of the emblems is a dragon. You know, so oh, cool. um, I don't know what that represents. If there's a story that had to do with a dragon in the past, I mean, there's some really cool names of different mountaintops or mountains in Switzerland, you know, that refer to a story, history and time. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think about this dragon person, what, what do you call him? Like, a, the, what was his name? Uh, that that was uh, St. Beatus. Beat oh, Beatus. 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 Okay, Alice Clark. It, it reminds me of uh, St. George, like the, the dragon slayer. Right. Like in uh, England, so anyway. Yeah. I think um, probably most European countries probably have tales of dragon fighters that are very famous. I have a whole book uh, just on my shelf, actually, all about 
these these myths uh, and, and mythology and different stories about uh, Switzerland. Yeah. I should I never read it. I said it's still it's still actually in, in not, not covered. It's like wrapped in plastic. Maybe oh no! <laughs> yeah, you probably should. Probably. I've, you know what? After this, see if some of these tales are in there. I'm sure they are. Yeah, man. I need to check. I was like, well, wait a minute. So you you brought up a mountain, and actually, I came across this. I didn't write it down. Um, yeah. I actually came across it for the last time. The start of the P. Piatus or what? What was Pilatus. that? Pilatus. So Pilatus. So, do you know what that was named after? Supposedly, this pilot. Is, was that Pontius Pilate? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you didn't know. So apparently, I mean, the tale went into that. Well, of course, but I didn't know. You don't know half of the stuff that I told you. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. I know a lot of stuff. You do know a lot of stuff. Uh, so Pontius Pilate was exiled and roamed the mountains, and now he's considered whenever there's like a storm or something from that mountain, it's like him as as a dragon. And that was why, as you said, the symbol is a dragon is because that's Ooh. actually Pontius Pilate and his wrath, you know, coming across the mountain. I have another story. I don't know if, if that will fit in here or if we should uh, record it separately or after we're done with this segment. Uh, that's it's an interesting myth. Could be true about the Templars in Switzerland. So, I, I, you know what? So stop there because we've spoken about this before. Not this specific uh, piece, but you got me into that, that show about the Templars. Nightfall. Um, yeah. I'm 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 really into that history yeah. about the Templars and, and there's it's so shrouded in mystery and no one knows exactly what happened. But right. considering we're talking about myths and the mountains and stuff like that, I think this fits in. So let's do that. Go ahead. Okay, should I Absolutely. fire away? All right. So well, here's the thing. So as you know, and and some of our listeners now by now maybe a little bit, I I'm totally dig Swiss history. Uh, I love it. I think it's it's fascinating. I feel equally excited about the the American history, and there's some obviously some parallels just of, of our history, how we set ourselves free from from oppressors. At the time when when Switzerland became uh, a confederacy and kind of you know. Uh, set themselves free from the Habsburgs, so the rule of the Habsburgs. Um, and there's much more to it, but make it short. So they, um, they're at 1291, uh, they, they went to the Rutli and, and swore in secrecy that they would, if, if one of the states of their states would be invaded, the others would come to the aid and, and you know, together defeat whoever would invade them and oppress them. And then in, in 1315, we had the first official battle of independence at Morgard. And so the, the, you have to, it's equally amazing what, what the Americans did with the English, because England was the most powerful nation at the time when America, I mean, yeah. with that army, they had defeated the most powerful military force yeah. at that time. I mean, that was huge. I mean, people don't realize that at the time. It was huge. And equally huge was at that time when when the Swiss farmers, I mean, we we were no military force. We didn't even have a military. It's basically farmers just crushed the whole army of the Habsburgs by fighting very dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and it, exactly. They didn't know better. I mean, yeah. like, they, you know, there's there's certain strategy and, and certain uh, codes and, and and like etiquettes that you need to follow in warfare. And the Swiss had, didn't know any of, any of it. They're just like, man, those those we need to just defeat them man, and beat the crap out of them. <laughs> you know? That came later with the Swiss. They actually became a formidable force, a military force, becoming mercenaries and sold their services into other foreign powers. That's a whole nother story. But so saying this, the Habsburgs, they, they came a certain way. And the Swiss or the farmers knew 
which pass they go through. And they basically waited for them and threw down boulders and big trees and whatever and came down from the mountains that just crushed them. They have them drowned in the or a certain amount drowned in, in the lake that, you know, was the passage through. And they retreated because they were like, they didn't know what was happening, you know, <laughs> what was going on. And so just the fact that the Swiss defeated that first battle, there was more, more, many more battles and some they lost, you know, it's not that they won all of them, but uh, eventually till they, they said, Let, we, we don't want to deal with those, with those Eidgenosse, you know, these, these brethren, the Eidgenosse means brethren of the oath, you know, I mean, okay. they swore to each other to be brothers and fight for freedom, even if it costs their lives. This is what I grew up learning, right? That this was what happened. And we talked about this before, where sometimes uh, you have new facts and sometimes some people don't like the old facts. So they just create a different narrative and right. story, sadly. Right. But in this case, I heard that uh, somebody pointed that out because I like I like the, the the orders of the knights. It's It's fascinating to me. I mean, it's whether it's not so much the Templars, but, you know, there's the Teutonic Knights and there's the Knights of St. John, which is formidable. Like yeah. the history, they're still, they still exist to this day. It's like the third or second oldest order of Christianity in Christianity are the Knights of St. John, you know. And so there's a myth or like that at that same time when all this happened with the Swiss history starting and them defeating the Habsburgs, that um, it was when the Knights Templar starting to disappeared they disappeared they were mainly in france at yeah. big like uh you know in that in that um series that you're watching right now you see some of the the history uh the background with king i think it was louis at that time yeah. right it was a philip louis one of those and basically he was running out of money and th these guys had a lot of money they had like a lot of uh you know those those knights orders um, it was very common that rich families one of their sons normally served in their services it's always like uh, one became a priest uh, you know or a nun uh, one became um you know went to the the templar the order the knights whatever to serve right you know as as a part of like an honorable thing for the family and represent so then uh when when the friends or, or like king philip or louis or whoever needed money and confiscated their lands and they and then they eventually killed them you know like yeah. uh, tortured them and uh, said all kinds of weird things about them what they did and and why they were excommunicated and then executed but they didn't get all the money I mean, actually, matter of fact, they didn't get, I think, hardly anything. Not even a fraction of what it was. There yeah. you go. And so it disappeared. And some say, I mean, you know, the National Treasure, the movie with uh, yeah. Nicolas Cage, that they came to America. Who knows? I mean, or they, you know, some of the different treasures from from Jerusalem all the way to, I mean, who knows? I really don't. I, I'm not that smart. But they say that at the same time when this happened, there were, there were knights, uh, white knights were, you know, they were seen going through the Alps in the past into Switzerland. And could it be, you know, that this, whoever came up with this, and, and there's some historians, that these, some of the Knight, Tem Knight Templars fled to Switzerland through the Alps, escaped, taught the Swiss how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, could be, you know, because they were farmers. How can you defeat an army like this, the most powerful army at that point? And the whole banking system. I mean, the Templars are known. They, they established a whole banking system, very smart, where you can send money. Like, you know, they, they invented the system, like what we have, obviously, more sophisticated today with wiring money. But at that time, you could actually, with, with letters and stuff, um, without traveling with the money itself, you can pick it up in another country, you know, uh, with, with a letter, 
I don't know exactly how the details work, but it was very smart that that you didn't have to travel with the money because there was a lot of people robbed and killed for money. So they were very smart bankers, right? Yeah. And so, guess Switzerland nowadays is a very smart. You know, I personally, and I need to say that because of my, as an American, I can I can say it differently. As a Swiss, I I deny yeah. <laughs> any truth about this myth. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's the case that that happened, and maybe it's just all a myth. Okay, everyone. So we're going to continue this conversation on the next episode, which will come out next week. And we will begin again with the Knights Templar. I think we're going to continue with that. And it goes on a little bit longer than I anticipated, or either one of us anticipated. And it, it kind of like bleeds into the next episode. So we want to make sure that we have enough for the next one. And, and we do, and we get to some other things. So you'll enjoy it. I know you will. But remember to like and subscribe and reach out to us because between now and then, maybe you're going to find out things about Switzerland that can stump Gavin as well. And we would love to hear about it. So go to gavinandshamus.com. There's a comment form there, or you can email us directly, gavinandshamus at gmail.com, or go to our Facebook page. Nope, Instagram. Go to our Instagram page, Gavin and Seamus. And until next time, be good. Better Than Nothing is produced and edited by EOPINA Consulting in Glencove, New York. You can follow Gavin and Seamus on Instagram at Gavin and Seamus. To submit questions, comments, concerns, ideas, go to gavinandshamus.com and find out how you can support the podcast. Thank you for listening, and please share with your friends.